Hello there and welcome to another episode of Mark My Words, long-standing football debates and talking points are the name of the game here as three of our top global correspondents have to convince me that their argument is best to win the day. Two shows of the series gone so far, still a long, long way to go and plenty of points left to play for. So let's meet our three reporters in the hot seat once again. Firstly, in London, Carrie Brown is our Premier League correspondent. Jamie Easton is based in Spain and reports on La Liga. Hola. And last but not least, Matt Spiro lives in Paris and works alongside our colleagues at B in France. So as I mentioned earlier, plenty of points left to play for as we stand at the moment. Jamie is leading with six points. Matt has five, Carrie has three. A reminder of the rules of the game, uh, four rounds, a different new question in each round. And as we said, the guys have 90 seconds to convince me of their argument to win the points. We have a new theme in each show. So far, we've had players and we've had goals. The theme for today is managers. So the question for round one is this. It's nice and simple. The greatest manager of all time. So Carrie, 90 seconds for you to convince me of your argument on the greatest manager of all time. Over to you. Having worked with him, having seen the work he'd done, I would dearly love to say Sir Alex Ferguson, but actually for me it has to be Johan Cruyff, a rare great as a player, but as a manager he replicated and then surpassed his playing career. He is the godfather of modern football. Renus Mikels was his mentor, yes, but it was Cruyff in management who appreciated that when Mikels had left Barcelona, his philosophy had been abandoned. Total football would not be adopted into the fabric of the game until it became second nature by nurture. Winning, Cruyff once said, is an important thing, but to have your own style, to have people copy you, to admire you, that is the greatest gift. As the manager of Ajax, where he's still now revealed, he realised that for the football culture to change, it would have to be coached not just to 17-year-olds, but to seven-year-olds. It was revolutionary thinking at the, at the time, and he also developed the greats, the likes of Marco Van Basten and Dennis Bergkamp on the way. But Cruyff believed there was one place he could develop his version of the beautiful game, passing of the ball, and his return back to Barcelona 10 years after he'd left as a player. At that time, the club were in crisis. In 28 years, they'd only won two league titles. When he'd left, he would win 11 league titles, four, 11 titles, four successive league titles and the European Championship title. So Alex Ferguson admitting it was losing against Barcelona and Johan Cruyff that he finally realised the only way to win a European title was to maintain possession. Among the other greats, Eusebio, who recalled his daring audacity of playing three at the back, and of course, Pep Guardiola asked if now if he could be considered the greatest manager. He said no. It was Johan Cruyff that created the cathedral of football. I merely am building more bricks. Mm, it's a very good start and a very good argument indeed. And Jamie Easton, based in Barcelona, is one I'm sure you'll probably agree with. But you'll have your own argument. So uh, what have you got for us, Jamie? Well, I have Sir Alex Ferguson. More than 26 years at Manchester United. Nobody has achieved that until today, and nobody has won 38 trophies like him until the date. He's 
a complete legend, 13 Premier League titles, FA Cups, 5, 2 Champions League trophies, 10 Community Shields, 4 League Cups, and I could go on and on and on and on. We have to put in perspective how dominant he was during his years at Manchester United. When he arrived, Manchester United were second from the bottom, the 21st in the standings in the Premier League, and he finished that first season in the 11th position. The next season, he ended second. And I still remember talking about what happened in Barcelona, that special Champions League final between Manchester United and Bayern Munich in the last minutes, that comeback. I think it's historical, together with that Barcelona 6, PSG 1, sending my love to Matt Spiro here. But we have to remember all the honorary degrees uh, Sir Alex Ferguson has all the orders and special awards that Johan Cruyff doesn't have. He was characteristic to have managerial skills, for example, uh, trusting the youth. There's the, uh, that generation of players called Class of 92 with Beckham, the Neville brothers, Scholes, Giggs, but he trusted them, he gave power to them, they played, and he also managed to uh, still have the more experienced players in the team. So that was quite a balance he, he knew how to do. He also had transfer knowledge in order to, how to sign every single year. And he knew how to manage calm under pressure. He had no nonsense attitude like we've seen recently in other managers. There are so many things that Sir Alex Ferguson dominated that right now he's still the top manager of all time. Well. How do you compete with those two? You've got Johan Cruyff, Sir Alex Ferguson, Matt Spiro. This is going to have to be pretty good. So, <laughs> 90 seconds off you go. Well, Matt, I'm going to go for somebody slightly more out of left field. You know, Cruyff, Ferguson, phenomenal names. But I'm going for the the complete package because Ferguson was a was a manager. I mean, uh, you know, an incredible man manager. But he didn't do that much on the training ground. And I think you know he'd admit that Brian Kidd and and other assistants did did a lot of that through the years. Cruyff was more of a training ground person, not so much of a manager. I wanted to go for a Frenchman, because, you know, France had produced so many fantastic managers. I mean, Arsene Wenger, um, you know, knocked Sir Alex Ferguson off his perch pretty easily, didn't he, in the uh, in, the, in, in, in the late 90s. Albert Batter back at, at Reims and Saint-Etienne. So I'm going to announce, for me, the number one, it's none of those guys, it's Robert Alban, who sadly passed away recently. Now, Robert Alban was the man behind the greatest club side, I think it's fair to say, in, in, in French football, because Saint-Étienne is still the only club to have won 10 league titles. They're a small town, a former coal mining village. They used to be called a suburb of Lyon, but then thanks to Robert Herbin, they, um, they, they famously declared that Lyon was a suburb of Saint-Étienne in footballing terms. Now, Robert Herbin was involved in nine of Saint-Étienne's league titles, five of them as a, as a player, four as a manager. He won the Coupe de France, uh, six times as well and he took Saint-Étienne all the way to the European Cup final in 1976 they didn't win it but in many ways it's become even more sort of uh, revered because they had those two shots against the post at Hampden Park and the posts were, were square posts they weren't um, rounded posts and otherwise they would have gone in and they, they were paraded up the Champs-Élysées Robert Albin is so cherished here um, in France and since his passing there's been a huge outpouring of uh, of, of sadness and just, yeah, phenomenal man. And I didn't mention, he was called the Sphinx because he had, not just because of this, but he had this big um, orange haircut and he was, uh, yeah, uh, just an incredible man, an incredible coach, the greatest.
Well, I mean, an incredible story and something I didn't know too much about. So that's uh, that's fascinating, and it's another difficult round to judge. I have to say that, but I'm going to go on this occasion with Carrie Brown and, and, and Johan Cruyff. And the reason I say that is the point you made, Carrie. I think about Alex Ferguson realizing when they played that Barcelona team. I think they were beaten four 0 back in 1994 in the European Cup, but they had to change something. And then, of course, we know the, the success that, that led on from there. So the points in this first round go to Johan Cruyff and Carrie Brown. So let's crack on with round two, a new question on managers, and this one is the best manager in the world right now. So the best manager in the world right now. 90 seconds on the clock, we're going to start in Spain with Jamie Easton. Jamie, it's over to you. That's an easy one for me. If we just decided Johan Cruyff has been the greatest manager ever, obviously Pep Guardiola is the greatest manager right now. I still remember when he arrived at the Camp Nou, it was just after... Frank Reicher's Barcelona had uh, ended the table in Spain, 18 points behind Real Madrid. They were absolutely humiliated and it was a tough decision made by Joan Laporta, president by the time. Pep Guardiola arrived. He, he hadn't managed in the first level of football. He had only managed the B team at Barcelona. And when he arrived, he decided that the three stars by then, Ronaldinho, Deco and Eto'o, should leave because he wanted Leo Messi to be the new star of that team. And he also said, I want Sergio Busquets and Pedro in the first team. They were playing in the third category in Spanish football. What a visionary. And then we only have to remember what he achieved in Spain. Complete domination of the game with that huge rivalry between Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho. He poor when he arrived. He had to suffer a 5-0 defeat. He won two Champions League and all the Spanish leagues. He went then to Germany and he was complete domination in Germany too winning the leagues in Germany and then he moved to the Premier League, probably the three most difficult leagues in the world. And he also achieved domination in England and how difficult that is. Two consecutive Premier Leagues for Manchester City. So it's 29 trophies in total and he's only 49 years old. Nobody doubts right now that Pep Guardiola will become the most successful manager ever. And nobody doubts that his mentor was Johan Cruyff, and he has surpassed his mentor already. And so Pep Guardiola is unique. Okay, so your vote goes for Pep Guardiola, Max Spira. I'm sure you'll have a thing or two to say about that. So who does your vote go to? Well, listen, Matt, unlike my rivals, I'm going to stick to, to 90 seconds here. Now, I'm surprised that Jamie has, has, has eaten all the, uh, the pet hype. I think if I had Leo Messi in his pomp in my team, I could manage a few title wins in Spain. Um, if I had three or four times more uh, money than any other club in England and I could buy, you know, three left backs for 60 million each, I could probably win the, the Premier League. You're right, he's fallen down in the Champions League quite a lot and Manchester City's inability to go further in the Champions League suggests that tactically it's not that good. But my um, favourite coach, and, 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 you know, Carrie talked about the impact that coaches have on other coaches and the legacy they leave. The, the Pep Guardiola today still looks up to Marcelo Bielsa, who, you know, was such an important influence in his career. Maurizio Pochettino as well, you know, his hero is Marcelo Bielsa, under whom he, he played back in Argentina. You know, Bielsa hasn't gone for the easy options. He hasn't gone for the Barcelona of Messi, the Man City 
of uh, you know the current the current wealth. Um, he's gone for tough options. Newell's old boys have named their stadium after him. There's a statue. All the Newell's old boys supporters have got tattoos of, of Marcelo Bielsa. He's been unbelievable. He's gone to Athletic Bilbao, where you know he's revered from his two seasons. I had the pleasure of watching him at Marseille, and honestly, I was commentating Marseille that season. I've never seen a manager transform a group of players like Marcelo Bielsa did at Marseille uh, that, that season. He got them competing for the title against Paris Saint-Germain with a group of players that looked like no-hopers before he arrived. He got them running, playing, pressing coherently. And now at Leeds United, um, another big club, but in a difficult situation. He's got the fans, he's got the players, everyone behind him. He's a phenomenon. OK, Marcelo okay, Bielsa, Matt, as you said, You, you spent 45 seconds talking about other managers. So that's a huge point for you. Congratulations. And I just love a manager that just creates tattoos with the fans. Perfect argument. Well done. It's not just, it's, it's the best manager, not the most successful. Because you've got to take order, the order, order, order. Carrie, it's your turn to speak. Well, Matt Spiro is a Leeds fan. I, you know, I would have gone for Marcelo Bielsa. I did a documentary on his influence on Pochettino, but it's just the mood tempers, the way he abandons teams, the way it all falls apart. I couldn't, even as his absolute biggest signed-up fan. Instead, I have to go for the reigning European champion, the true rock star right now with his heavy metal football. It is, of course, Jurgen Klopp. Let's not forget the Premier League is the most competitive league in the whole of Europe, maybe the whole of world football. 25 25-point league. I know we lead. We've been away from football a bit. It's astounding. 29 matches, 27 wins, one draw and one defeat. Now, Jurgen Klopp will be honest. He knows his charisma has got him a long way. He knows that winning smile is bought. He's admitted he got the teeth, he got the veneers. What he didn't buy, though, are his titles. And it's remarkable. In the four and a half years at the club, 33 players bought, £401 million spent, but... £327 million made on the transfer market because he's improved every single player he's touched. That means he's had a net spend of £74 million. It wouldn't even have bought Virgil van Dijk, a player that people thought he was spending far too much for. It was an absolute scandal. He was the one cog in the wheel that made this the perfect combination. How much did that certain Mr Pep Guardiola spend over that time? 400 million, actually over 400 million net spend. And by the way, has he won the Champions League yet with that team in Manchester City? Will he say his time at Manchester City is successful until he wins that? No, Jamie, he said himself he won't. Here's how I see it. The question was the best manager in the world right now. Marcelo Bielsa is a wonderful tactician, a hero, as you said, Matt Spiro, to many people. He is not necessarily for the second season going to get promotion with Leeds United. He failed in his first year with Leeds United to get promotion. So I have to rule you out on, on those grounds because I said right now. So we were between Carrie and Jamie. And again, I am going to give the points to Carrie because they are the reigning European and world champions so far ahead in the Premier League. So at the moment, at this very moment, it's hard to disagree with Carrie and saying that Jurgen Klopp is the greatest manager in the world right now. So it's another point to Carrie Brown. Right on we go with round three and a new question. This time Matt Spiro is going to start us off. So the question 
For this round is which current player, in their opinion, will go on to be the best manager. So which player currently playing now will go on to be the best manager in the future. A very strict this time, 90 seconds on the clock for Matt Spiro and the rest of you. But Matt, take us away. Look, I'm feeling a little bit under pressure because my first two rounds haven't gone that well and my answers have been dismissed. And I am going for another slightly surprising choice, but I think I've got the right one here. I'm going for a young man, an astonishingly intelligent, charismatic, ambitious young man. He's called Kylian Mbappe. He's only 21 years of age. The reason I'm saying this, yes, it's still early days to know if he's going to be a manager. But this guy, he does absolutely everything that he wants to do. He achieves everything that he wants to achieve. Now, when he was six, reportedly, this is according to his uncle, he he laid out his whole career plan. He said, I'm going to go to Clairefontaine. I'm going to win the league uh, you know, in France. Then I'm going to win the Champions League. Then I'm going to win the Ballon d'Or. Then I'm going to win the World Cup. And, and he's doing it. And you know what? When he was 17, he got his baccalaureate and he got it in management. And he was asked about that. And he said, listen, I'm going to be a manager when my playing career is over. I've already learned from my dad. His dad, Wilfred, was one of the best. Uh, he's stopped coaching now, but one of the best sort of amateur level coaches. He's brought through some phenomenal players like Killian, like uh, Saliba, like Jonathan Ikone. He's done fantastic work. And his uncle, also uh, also a coach. So Killian said, listen, I need to get my qualifications. I want to go into management later in my career. And given what this guy has done in his playing career so far, you know, he's just following through with everything that he says he's going to do. I've you know, had the pleasure of meeting him. He's, he's such a bright, young young footballer. And, you know, I, I can see it. I can see him winning the Ballon d'Or probably several times and then going on and managing Real Madrid, PSG, etc. There you go. Killing Mbappe. OK, wow. Uh, that isn't necessarily a name I expected you to say. Probably a long way to go in his playing career just yet. But Kylian Mbappe for Matt Spiro is going to be the big manager of the future. So let's go over to Carrie in London now. And Carrie, uh, what name have you got for us? I think if you're looking at this season's Players of the Year, everyone is going to be selecting for a Liver- from Liverpool by one exception, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. His reading of the game, his passing of the game is one thing. One of the world-class players, the absolute leader of the team now, as the likes of Aguero are progressing on with age. This man is so influential, so badly missed last season for Manchester City. And maybe if he hadn't been so injured, they could have actually gone all the way and won the Champions League title as well. Crucially, though, he's already studying his coaching badges with the Belgium FA. He's played it down. He said he doesn't know what his future will absolutely be, but if he wants a future in football... He wants to get those coaching badges, that foresight when you're playing under the most competitive and demanding manager in the world game is impressive. But it's not just that. Let's listen to Pep Guardiola. He said he is a special player. He sees things both on the pitch and off the pitch that other players don't see. We know the players that Pep Guardiola has already brought through into the coaching game. But one other thing. On his reading of the Arsenal game, in which they would beat Manchester City, beat Arsenal 3 0. He scored two goals and assisted one, came off the pitch and delivered this damning indictment. The attackers are not tracking back. The only attacker on the field that tracked back in that whole match was Martinelli. He could already assess the game, assess the weaknesses, and he was the main man starring on the night. A future coaching great. Wow, another really good argument. You have to say that from Carrie Brown. So uh, we've had Kylian Mbappe, we've had Kevin De Bruyne and Jamie Easton. What about you? Who have you got for us? 
Well, I, I definitely know that Sergio Busquets will become a manager because he said so in a documentary from inside Barcelona called Match Day. I do not know if Kevin De Bruyne wants to become a manager or Kylian Mbappé wants to become a manager. Matt Spiro, are you improvising today? What's happening to you? No, he so, said he wants to Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola said uh, literally that sooner or later we'll see Sergio Busquets as a manager and he's sure of that and he said I'm very lucky to have managed Sergio Busquets on a pitch. He's so smart. He knows when to be, where to be, when to move, what pass to do. He's unique in his vision. The great managers have nearly always been midfielders or even defenders, never forwards, because the vision they have of the entire pitch. Del Bosque, another it. manager that had won everything with Sergio Busquets, even a World Cup, said that if he wanted to reincarnate with somebody, it had to be Sergio Busquets. He said that he is already a manager on the pitch because of how he sees the plays, because of how he sees the games, because of how he controls everything. Andres Iniesta, if you speak to him, another player that wants to become a manager, says that the greatest new manager will be Sergio Busquets. Discipline, tactics, vision, he has everything. Note down that name, Sergio Busquets. You're welcome. Okay, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> I feel like Matt Spiro is going to try and attack you through the screen in a minute if I don't get, carry on, so I will. So here's, well, he, no, here's just, how I see Busquets, this. Busquets reminds me of, of Thiago Motta, and we all thought he'd be, and he might go on to be a great coach, but he's been awful so far. So, you know, I, but yeah, I don't want to tarnish uh, your argument, Jamie. No, don't, don't do. Yes, do. After, after what we have heard yes, today do. from you, don't do. Please. <laughs> Here's how I see it. I like all three. And in my opinion, I think all three will go on to be fantastic coaches. But I'm going to, on this occasion, go with Matt Spira because I liked his argument of saying that Mbappe had his whole future worked out and so far everything had gone to plan <laughs> that he had decided at this age what he was going to do this. Today, this today, Max, what is happening today, Max What is happening today? What is happening today? In her arguments, Carrie Brown today for Johan Cruyff and for Kevin De Bruyne, he just mentioned Pep Guardiola. When I go for Pep Guardiola, just go another way. And now Kylian Mbappe. Wonderful. Jamie Easton. Respect the referee or I'll be forced <laughs> to give you a card. There will be cards issued unless you continue to respect the referee. Okay. Now, come on. We've got a show to get on with. The point goes to Matt Spiro. Okay, the final round, as ever, is fact or fiction. The guys have to tell me a story. Two points on offer if they trick me, if I can't work out if they're telling the truth or not. But, of course, if I do guess right, no points on offer. So we'll start with you, Carrie Brown. 90 seconds a story for me on managers, please. I remember one particular moment this season at Tottenham's Spangly New Stadium against Liverpool and there'd been a pretty crunching tackle on new boy Tanganga and Jose Mourinho said in the press conference afterwards that the VAR must have been having a cup of tea right at that very moment. Well, in the tunnel afterwards, he walked past the reporters and spare for and pity of the thought for the one reporter that in a moment of relaxed nature as Jose Mourinho walked past and asked his press officer what's the name of that VAR jokingly said security for VAR does he get security naming the VAR to which the floor manager chuckled that said reporter looked up to have a camera in his face because of course unlike Pochettino Jose Mourinho has given the documentary makers access all areas now that poor reporter looked to the uh, said producer and went that won't go in will they and they were like sometimes comedy timing is just of the moment 
Hmm. I get the feeling that reporter could well have been you, Carrie. Maybe. <laughs> that's why I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking this one may have been a fact. Am I right? You might be right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dreading the moment the documentary comes out. I'm in trouble. Well, we are all looking forward to that a little bit later on in the year, no doubt. So, no points for Carrie on that occasion. Let's go to Jamie next. Uh, a story for me on managers, please, Jamie, and we'll take a fact or fiction, please. Well, there are very few managers like Marcelo Bielsa that have gifted many anecdotes throughout his career, but I want to focus on his early years when he was starting back in Argentina and he had somebody that told him, Marcelo, you have to bring me the best young youth and young players in the whole country. What he did, he divided Argentina in 70 different zones. He grabbed his car and he started driving all around the country, all 70 zones he had marked. And he was arriving to every single village and just asking the inhabitants there, who is the best player in this village? And he signed the best player in every single village. That is, for example, how Mauricio Pochettino was signed when he was only 13 years old. And he signed him at 3 a.m. in the morning because there were no timings for Marcelo Bielsa and his travels all around Argentina. That is how Marcelo Bielsa is. In fact, he ordered to put a video player in his van and when he was going to training sessions, his assistant was playing those videos so he had to just take a look at all those videotapes of every single training session from training towards home again. Marcelo Bielsa, unique. Could he have gone around all of Argentina? I mean, in, I suppose it's possible. It seems difficult, but I, I'm going to say fact again, Jamie. Is that true? It is a fact. He drove around Argentina, 70 zones, and just picking the best young players in every single village at 3 a.m. in the morning. So no <laughs> points for Jamie there, but let's see if Matt Spiro can fool me. Uh, Matt, have you got a story for us on managers, please? Yes, I do. I'm, I'm going to go with another unique manager, a Frenchman named Guy Roux, who, uh, who took over Auxerre when they were an amateur club. He was Auxerre's manager for 43 seasons, took them into the European Cup, took them to the, to the French League and Cup double in, in 1996. He had some incredible methods. Among his methods, he was incredibly strict with his players and he wanted to know exactly what they were doing 24-7. So he had, he had a variety of methods of sort of keeping, keeping an eye, keeping check on his players outside of training and outside of the matches. But did you know, this is the fact or, or fiction bit, during the latter years, as he started to get to grips with technology, he also installed surveillance cameras in the players' hotel bedrooms to make sure that he knew they were going to bed on time and that there was, uh, there, there was nothing untoward going on. One player, Jibril Cisse, got pretty upset when he found out that he had a camera in his bedroom and that created quite some controversy. <laughs> So we all know that the, the stories and the, um, the disciplinarian that Giroud was, I think, but, but, but cameras, cameras in the bedroom. And we're talking about mid to late 90s here. I, I think maybe that feels a bit early for cameras in the bedroom. I'm going to say that bit of the story was, was fiction, Matt. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you saw through it. It was fiction, <laughs> yeah, that last bit. Yeah, uh, yeah plenty of uh, true elements about that story, but the cameras was just maybe one step too far. So no points for anybody there. I'm on top form today. 
let's have a look at the points on the leaderboard for today. Carrie Brown was our winner with two points. Matt Spiro a single point. Nothing for Jamie Easton on this occasion. But it leaves the leaderboard overall very close indeed because we have joint leaders after three shows of the series. Matt and Jamie have six. Carrie has five but still a long way to go and many points to play for. My thanks as ever to Carrie, to Jamie and to Matt for their company and their stories. Thanks to you as well for watching another episode of Mark My Words. We'll be back very soon. Bye for now.